Well, we are in week number four of a five-part series entitled All That Matters. And I want to take a second. I want to look right into the camera, and I want you to look right at me. And I want to take a moment, and I want to greet everyone in Cortland, in Corning, in Binghamton, in Ithaca, and everybody joining us online. Church, can we put our hands together and make them feel welcome, make them feel loved? And I want you to know this. I love you, I've been praying for you, and I am believing God for something special to happen in your life right now. And so what we're going to do together in this series, we are in this series talking about all that matters. And for a, a portion of the year, we are as a church dialing in on our purpose as people. So as a church, if you have been here for any amount of time, you'll heard me say this, we exist to help you to know God, to find freedom, discover your purpose, and then the last one is to make a difference. And that is really the ultimate purpose of our lives, that your purpose, my purpose, is to make a difference. And so we've been camping out a little bit around 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Go ahead and turn there now in your Bibles. Open up your phones. Get out the YouVersion Bible app. Jump on there. If you, haven't, if you don't have notes, I'm going to have the ushers come. You can just slip your hand up in the air, and they're going to come through and make sure to give you notes so you can file along with what all's happening, and so they're going to make sure to get those out to you at every single location. Here's what 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says. It says, Command those who are rich... In this present world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good. Everybody say, do good. Come on. Everybody say, do good. Be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. Verse 19. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Today, I want to talk to you about this idea. You may have heard this, pay it forward. It's a really simple idea that if something good has happened to you, that you could turn around and pay it forward and do something good for somebody else. If somebody's been generous with you, turn around, pay it forward, and be generous with somebody else. As believers, our lives are really this story. This is what God did when he sent his son to die on the cross for every one of us. He initiated this process of paying it forward. So in my life, I'm, I'm, I was born in the church. I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself. If you haven't heard my story, you're going to get a little bit of my story right now. I, I was born in a, in a pastor's home. My dad is a pastor, and, and I grew up knowing God. I grew up following Jesus. I went to Bible college. After Bible college, I graduated. I worked at Brooklyn Teen Challenge as a drug and alcohol rehabilitation counselor. And then I ran from the call of God in my life. I was flirting with sin, and I decided that, well, actually what happened was I, I told my pastor that I was sinning, 
and I was on staff at a church and my pastor then fired me, at which time I then decided that I was going to be bitter. I was going to be angry with God and I ran from the call of God on my life. I moved out to Springfield, Missouri. And while I was there, I was working on my master's degree in organizational leadership. And the whole point of that was so that I could take my undergraduate degree in missions and Bible and then go, they would, they would honor that at, at the school that I was going to and then I would be able to get my master's degree. And the whole point of all of that was so that I could be bitter with God, so that I could go run and live in sin and feel justified in, in that kind of lifestyle. And so I was actively running from God. And I'm telling you this story because this is really important to who we are as a church. Because this is what God did in my life. And this is what I believe God has been doing through my life. So as I'm running from God, God I was hardening my heart and actively trying to say, God, I, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to follow you. I'm going to do my own thing. Until there was one day. As I was running from God, I said, God, as hard as I ran from you, I'm going to run toward you. And I would just, the whole time that I was running from God, the Holy Spirit kept pursuing me, kept running after me, kept saying, Will, this is my purpose for your life. And I knew that if I, if I surrendered my life to the Lord, God would eventually put me back into the thing that he had called me to. I knew I was going to end up back in the house of God. I didn't know when, I didn't know how, but I knew that was the destination for my life. And so I started going to church. In fact, I was kind of going to church the whole time that I was running from God. And I went to the altar at church, and I remember I talked to my pastor, and I was like, Pastor, I, I got a call on my life. But I'm drinking, and messing around and partying. I'm just doing all kinds of craziness. And he said, well, take a step forward. Don't let any of that keep you from doing the thing that God's called you to. And, and it was like, in that moment, what I, what I was feeling was shame and condemnation. And in fact, what the enemy was telling me and part of why I went to the altar to pray was the, the enemy of my soul and the enemy of your soul was telling me that I, was, I had thrown it all away. I'm not good enough. There's so many things that I've done. It, there's no way that I could ever serve in the house of God. And, and so I felt shackled. I felt under bondage. And one of the things that was so important to me was that I would be able to follow God in all sincerity. So what happened was when I came to my pastor the first time around and I said, hey, pastor, I'm a sinner. I'm screwing up. What he did was he looked at me and he said, you can't be here. The second time around when I surrendered my life to Jesus, and I came to my pastor and I said, Pastor, I'm screwing up. He looked at me and he said, come with me. And, and this is the moment in my life that everything changed. 
This is the moment in my life when shame and condemnation began to fall off of me. And what I began to have to do, I know this will shock you, but I'm a sinner, y'all. Let me, let me just get real like straight up with everybody. I, I've made a commitment that I'm not going to be a fake pastor. I, I will never allow talent to take me past where my character can't keep me. It has to be that I either love God and I'm in this for him or I'm not in it at all. And there's no, I don't have that other option. I tried that already. I tried the I'm gonna run from God option and that doesn't work for me. And so really what it comes down to, and I want you to hear this church, I want you to understand this that we have to be people who are so sincere about following God that whatever the shame is that's on us, whatever the sin is that's shackled us, that God says, I have redeemed it, I have covered it, I forgive you, and you are mine. And there is this grace moment that comes into our lives that is absolutely transformational. And I don't have to hide that. In fact, God I, that's one of my passions as a church, that we be the perfect church for the people who aren't. I spent a long time in church trying to hide who I really was. And every time I was hiding, nothing was changing. But once I started coming out of the darkness into the light, I would confess and I would say, here's what I'm struggling with. Here's where I'm at. I so appreciate when people come and they say, look, pastor, this is what it is. This is what I'm walking through. And that's when I say, all right, now take a step toward God. Now take a step toward God. Because that's the grace that I received. And I'll tell you right now, I need to give that same grace. I pay that grace forward. And so one of the things that we have to do, and, and when we came to start the church, God called us. And I looked around, I was like, God, do you know how much I'd unscrewed up in New York? Like, if I go back to New York and some of these really messed up relationships, if you could call it a relationship, if anybody knows what I'm talking about, what if that comes back to haunt me? Anybody got a little, uh, what if that comes back to haunt me in their past? What if that comes back... To, to, and, and here's what happens. That what if that comes back to haunt me can keep you from ever moving forward. And so what I had to say was, God, I'm just going to come back. I'm going to walk in humility. I'm going to give the amount of grace to everybody else that I want to receive. Because church, someday, you may need to give me a heap ton of grace Amen? Here's how I love how this goes. Like, pastor can give, give everyone else grace, but we don't give pastors grace. Or I'll give unbelievers grace, but I won't give Christians grace, because they should have known better. Right? So, so here's, what, here's what I'm trying to get us at. Here's what I'm trying to, I'm trying to get down to. There's a moment in our life when we step over a threshold, there's a threshold moment. It's a threshold is, is a space 
it's like a door. Once you step through that door, you're in a new environment. And, and what happened in my life, there was a threshold moment in which I stepped through into something new. I stepped through into grace. I stepped through into sincerity. I stepped through into humility. I stepped through into honesty. I stepped through into this place. And I'll tell you, I will trip and I will fall and I will stumble, but I get up because I know that I am under the grace and the favor of our almighty God. And this is how we now pay it forward. This is what happens in our life because we feel like we can't follow Jesus because we're failures. If I get it right, then I'll follow him. If I, get my, if I get my life all cleaned up, then I'll serve him. If I, I can't, you know, I couldn't try out for leadership because I, I'm so messed up. And, and you can fill in the blank for all of these things. But I want you to know something. If you've been around Two Rivers any amount of time, all of our community pastors are drug dealers and felons. <laughs> Whatever you got going on ain't that bad. And, and here's the reality of, of what has to happen in your life and in my life. When I go before God, every time I walk up to preach, I have to say, God, it is not my perfection. It's not my ability, but yours. God, I'm going I'm to speak these words, but it has to be you that does the work because I'm not enough. There's no way that I could ever change anybody's life. If you know who I am and where I'm from, you would say, no way. I know, that's shocking. Pastor, that can't be true. But I run to Jesus I want you to understand this. There's nothing special about what I did. And what I want you to do is run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Don't be crippled by shame. I'm calling you out, church. This is the moment to rise. That on your life, there has been some shackles. That on your life, you have believed from a lie from the devil that says that you cannot make a difference, that you are not worthy of stepping up and stepping into the gap. The devil wants you to believe that you don't have what it takes. You don't have enough money. You don't have the resources. You don't have the background. You don't have the pedigree. You don't have the education. You're the wrong color, the wrong gender. Fill in the blank. But God wants you to know that he has grace enough for you that when you step across the threshold, that there is something that God will do through your life, not because of your perfection, but because of the perfection of Jesus Christ. That God has got a purpose for your life, and he is calling you to say, I want you to see yourself the way that I see you. I want you to think about yourself the way that I think about you. Because when God sees me, he doesn't see me anymore. When God sees me, he sees the crimson blood of Jesus Christ. It has covered me. It has washed me. It has made me clean. When he sees me, he says, righteous son.
And whatever the enemy wants to speak over my life is this, you're not enough. You're not good enough. You could never do it because of your past. What if all of these other entanglements came into play? In church, if we're gonna do all that matters, there's a moment where you gotta step across the threshold and say, God, I belong to you. You are mine and I am yours. And come what may, I will obey. Jesus turns to his disciples in Matthew chapter 10. A bunch of fishermen, a bunch of guys who were rejects. The ones who were overlooked. The ones that everybody, all the ones who were so special were already picked out and they were already put in to school to study the Torah. They were religiously inclined. Here's these guys, these guys are fishermen. They're tax collectors which is a better way of saying that is a terrorist against their own nation. And, and what we got here now is this collaboration of men. One of them is going to betray Jesus to his death. And Jesus looks at all of them in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7, and he says, as you go, everyone say Go. Proclaim this message. But Jesus, don't you know I'm a fisherman? But Jesus, don't you know that I'm a tax collector? Jesus, don't you know that I've screwed up my life? Don't you know that I hit my wife? Don't you know that I cheated on my husband? Don't you know that I shoot stuff into my veins? Don't you know that I've been with every woman that I could get my hands on? Don't you know that I put poison into my body? Jesus, don't you know that I'm messed up? And Jesus says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. That's a different message. It's not the message of self-reliance. It's not the message of I've got to be good enough. It's the message of heaven. That God is breaking. The, there is a barrier between men and God and he has broken it. Heaven is near. And then he says this. He says in verse 8, heal the sick. Okay, Jesus, now we went a little too far. Don't I have to be holy first? Don't I have to have all my ducks in a row? Don't I need to spend more hours in prayer? I think we skipped the part where I go to Bible college and pray for five hours a day. You missed that one, Jesus. Jesus, I didn't go out into the desert and, and purify myself ritually and get myself all clean. He says, heal the sick, raise the dead. Jesus, don't you even know we're not even supposed to touch the dead? Cleanse those who have leprosy. Again, Jesus, those people, we're not supposed to touch them. Who are the people in our lives that are the lepers? Who are the people in our lives? I don't want to know who that is. I love having people around that stretch me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
You may not know, you may not like the love it part, but you know what the stretching people are. Pastor, I don't know about you. There's some people that stretch us. I've been to leper colonies. You find out if you got a little faith in you when you go in the leper colony. I'm supposed to lay my hands on these people. That's how you get the leprosy. It's a transfer disease. Somebody better get this in their heart. Jesus didn't say, hey, get all of this stuff. Now, uh, level up yourself in the Lord. And then after you've done all of these things, then go out. What if there was some people at Two Rivers Church that were crazy enough to hear Jesus say in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7, go. I'm sending you out to heal the sick. I'm sending you out to raise the dead. I'm sending you out to cleanse those who have leprosy. I'm sending you out to drive out demons. Freely you have received. The grace of God in my life I struggle with it. I feel like I should earn it. I feel like I should have to accomplish something. God, shouldn't I have to accomplish this? Shouldn't I have to do more for you first? Shouldn't I have to pray more? Shouldn't I have to be more holy? Shouldn't I have to do all of these other things before I go? Church, step across the threshold. There's a moment where you hear the voice of God say to you, Go. And we, co- we have conversations with God. We have arguments with God. We have the ability to shut our ears to God. We have the ability to shut our eyes to the need all around us. We have the ability to get caught up in controversies. We got the ability to get caught up in everything but the thing that God said to go do. And he's not waiting on you to get your life right. He just said, go. Go. And, and so there's, is there anybody that's going to step with me across this threshold? That's going to say, I'm going I'm to hear the voice of God and then I'm going to go. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. I know I'm a screw up. I know I've got it all messed up. I know I've done all these terrible things. I know if somebody ever, holy cow, what if your wife, what if your wife saw you actually trying to read your Bible in the morning? You know what you said to her the night before. I can't read my Bible because then I'd be fake. I can't do that. At some point, we got to let the humility of our failures come into us. I must decrease so that he might increase. Is this good preaching church? I don't don't know. I need a little help in this. There's some point where where I feel like that we just have to decide this is who I am. There's a moment when you cross the line from being a receiver I've received, I've received, I've received, to now I'm a giver. There's a moment when we cross that line. And you can't ever go back. Once you discover that you're a giver, you're a giver. 
Once you discover it, there's no like, hey, you could give me all the money you ever wanted to, I'm gonna give it away. You don't give to get, that's called greed. What a man sows, so shall he reap. You wanna sow greed into the offering bucket? You wanna sow greed to the waitress? You wanna sow, that's a, God knows your heart, you'll never escape that. But once you step over the threshold to recognize I'm a giver, God re- gave to me freely and I will freely give. I got, this is a crazy word, freely. That sounds way too much like hippies. That's not a good, respectable, capitalistic idea. I'm going to start talking about some politics now. Our goal as Christians is not to get in a mass. Our goal as Christians is to amass so that we can give. Make all you can, save all you can, give all you can. This is what we do. And and as a church, we've got to transition. This is the line, the threshold that we step over. I got to change in my thinking from I go to church to I am the church. There's a huge difference. I don't go there, I am there. Wherever I go, there is the church. And then there's a whole nother step. The next step after I realize that I don't go to church, I am the church, is I I take another step from I am the church to I am a blessing to the world. See, it's one thing to be like, oh, I, I, I'm the church. I'm just being holy. But I want you to know this. There's no holiness without love. There's no holiness without generosity. There's no holiness without looking like Jesus. And so if you think, oh, I'm holy, and people don't want to be around you, that's probably a sign that you're not like Jesus. And therefore not holy. Because hear, the, hear me on this. There are a lot of people who think they're spiritually deep. And they're incredibly emotionally unhealthy. And there's no spiritual depth. There's no spiritual health until you're emotionally healthy. Those two run hand in hand. And so God says to go heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the leper. Drive out demons freely you've received, freely give. So I'm going to give you a couple practical things to do. You can write these down in your notes. Number one, do good. I know, Pastor, I thought you were going to come up with some complicated, really difficult thing for me to have to do now. I don't know, it seems like Jesus is sort of saying, hey, when you're walking and as you're going, you're going to go into this town. You're going to get into that town, and as you walk into that town, there's going to be somebody there who's in need. Maybe they're demon-possessed. Maybe they're dead. Maybe they're a leper. Maybe, maybe they got some kind of problem. All I want you to do is just do good. Do something for them. I love it when John 
shows up at the temple. This is how I know Jesus didn't heal everybody. He left some work for us to do. He show, here comes Peter and John at the gate, beautiful. Jesus would have walked past this beggar many, many times, a crippled man laying right there. Jesus would have walked by him over and over and over. He begins to beg from Peter and John, and what they said to him was this, silver and gold have I none. How many people are in that space? Silver and gold have I none. I don't know what, pastor, this whole series, I don't know what to do with this whole series. You keep talking about this miracle offering and you keep talking about generosity. Silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give unto thee. Take up your mat and walk. They gave him something that they had alive inside of them. They had Jesus alive in them and they gave Jesus away. All they, now how did they know that he was going to get up on his mat and walk? Didn't, did they have a manual that said, here's how to do all of that? No, they had the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. The moment you called on Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit came and dwelled in you. The Bible says he will quicken your mortal bodies. He is the down payment. He is the seal. He will give you everything you need, the words that you need to speak, the place that you need to go, whatever you need. The Holy Spirit has access to it right now. You got to go. And so what are we going to do with the Holy Spirit? We're going to do good. It's really simple. I know it's crazy. It's crazy. Pastor wants me to go do good this week. I don't know, though. There's this person at work who's really driving me crazy. And I want to just tear him up. And I'm preaching to myself about Facebook. Don't get on the Facebook, Will. <laughs> I know there's some craziness there. Leave it alone. I'm not going to solve it. I'm not going to solve it. I'm going to do good by just being quiet. Sometimes that's all it is. Right? Sometimes, though, this is what it is. There was a, there was a person who got beat up and thrown into a ditch, and now comes the priest. And this was supposed to be the hero moment. There's the priest. Oh, the priest is certainly going to help him. No, the priest walked on by. Now here comes the Levite. Oh, the Levite's somebody going to help him. But now here comes along a Samaritan, wrong race, wrong color, wrong background, wrong pedigree. Not supposed to talk to that guy. Don't, don't, talk, to, don't talk to those people. And that's the guy that picks him up, cleans his wounds, pays for his Stay at the hospital, at the inn. And Jesus said, who then was the neighbor to the man who was injured? He said, the man who is the Samaritan. And that's what Jesus said, look, if you see somebody in need, it's not about, because this is what I want you to, this is the second one. Number two, do generous, generosity. I can tell you to do good. Everybody's down with that. I'm down with doing good. But now I got to do generosity. And here's the problem we face when we get ready to be generous. Do they deserve it? He probably got himself beat up for a good reason. He probably deserved it. 
He's in the ditch because he's made some bad decisions. And God doesn't care about their decisions. God cares about your heart. It's not about how they got there. It's about how you are obeying him. And Jesus said, I looked at you when you were dirty, when you were stained, when you were of no account, when you were filled with shame, that you were totally sinful, and I stretched my hands out fully on the cross, and I gave my life, my precious blood dripped down for you. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so what does generosity look like? It looks like this. Jesus on the cross saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. It looks like Jesus who comes to us and says, I know you are totally screwed up. I know you're totally messed up, but I didn't ask you to earn this. I'm giving it to you freely. Could you receive it freely? Could you just let it pour into you? Could you just let it kind of soak into you that I have something for you that will change everything about you? And it didn't come because you earned it. It didn't come because you did anything but receive it. And so do generosity. Freely you have received, freely give. So Paul says to Timothy, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Pay it forward. Don't let the enemy hold you back. This is why we tell you. This is why we tell you. Don't do the math. Do your part. Because this life is just simply about obedient, being obedient to Jesus. He has all the supply. He has all the power. He has all the ability. It's not going to be you. It's not going to be you. When you open your mouth, the Lord will fill it. It's not going to be you. There's got to be a supernatural reality that begins to settle into my heart that I walk in the supernatural. I walk in God's provision. I walk in God's grace. I walk, there's a threshold that you got to cross over that says I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. What is holding you back? What is keeping you from that place? Take a step forward. And, and this, is, this is it, Titus 2.11. It says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. That grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldliness, worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives. The problem is not that the church has too much grace. In your life, the problem has always been that you haven't had enough of it. It is the grace of God that teaches us to say no to ungodliness. It is the grace of God that teaches us. It is in your life that you want to be free, you step into the grace of God. You step into his, you get, oh God, you've got more for me. You've got more for me. He's got more for you. He's got more for you. I'm gonna have the team come back.
We're going to respond to this. But church, I want you to know that you can do this. Jesus is not trying to disqualify you. He has already qualified you. It is the enemy of your soul that wants to disarm you. It is the enemy of your soul that wants to keep you from ever stepping out into all that God's called you to be. It is the enemy of your soul that wants to keep you in bondage and in shackles. It is the enemy of your soul that when you get ready to speak a word of encouragement to somebody, that he'll say, oh, don't, don't open your mouth. Don't step out. Don't you do that. It's the enemy of your soul that would say, don't pray for that person. That would be wasted money if you gave that money away. It's the enemy of your soul. There's a threshold waiting for you to cross. God is looking at his people in a time as this, and he's saying, who will go for me? There's a world all around us hurting. There's a world all around us that God has supply for. And God is waiting for you. God is waiting for me to say, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get past me. I'm going to open up my heart. I'm going to open up my life. And I'm going to give what you gave. I've received freely, and I'm going to stop having excuses I'm going to stop trying to do it my way. God, I'm going to live according to your word and according to your way. I believe this. I live this. And now, Jesus, I'm going to take a step out in obedience. Church, I want to pray for you right now. Just bow your heads, close your eyes at every location. I have a gift on my life. There's something about my life that activates people. There's something about my life that together we can start breaking through things. We came to New York and and they told us we couldn't plant a church. They told us what couldn't be done. They told us how impossible everything was. But I have this crazy faith that says if God is in it, If it's God's will, it's God's bill. My God is able. I don't care the size of the giant that we face. My God is bigger. So when we go into prayer right now, you're facing some giants. I know everybody's facing giants in your life. You got anger. You got lust. You got addiction. You got pornography. You got this whole track record where you're trying to figure out how to use your finances the right way. You've been in relationships and you break relationship over and over and over. And right now, what God wants to do, God wants to begin to break all of that. There's a threshold for you to cross. And I'm going to pray, and then we're going to open up the altars at every single location. And, And what I want to have happen... Your community pastors are going to invite you into a moment where you're going to have to cross a threshold with your feet. So why don't we do this? Let's just have everybody stand up on their feet right now. Just bow your heads with me in prayer. I'm going to pray for you, and then your community pastor is going to give you the opportunity to respond. 
But Jesus, I pray right now for every single person at every single location that God, there's some things that need to be broken right now in Jesus' name. There's some ways that we have seen ourselves. There's some ways that we have been shackled by the enemy. There's some ways that we have, every one of us, decided that we're not good enough. We don't measure up. But Jesus, I pray right now that the grace of God that teaches us to say no to ungodliness, that teaches us, would appear to all men. That in this moment, God, we would step out and we would hear your voice. And we would, when you say go, we would say, yes, Lord. Here am I, send me. God, I believe that there is a world out here that is hurting, that is lost, and that we are plan A. There's no plan B. That every one of us has purpose. Every one of us has destiny. Every one of us has territory. Every one of us. And that, God, I pray that that would begin to settle into every single heart, into every single life, that, that we aren't just weak Uh, undedicated believers, but that God, you have given us purpose. That there is something for us, and I pray you would now give an impartation that what you did in my life, God, the humility, the brokenness, God, the ability to just keep coming no matter what comes. God, you didn't give me any quit. You didn't give me any lay down. But that God, I rise up again and again and again. And I pray right now that over this church, it will rise up again and again and again. That the enemy wants to knock us down, but we will not stay down. We are yours and you are ours. We thank you for it now in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody together said, amen.